Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for our match preview, the last match preview of this season. I'm joined as usual by John Gibson as we look ahead to Newcastle's trip down to Craven Cottage to face Fulham. Thankfully, John, not a game in which anything rests on. There was a very real fear just a couple of months ago that we'd be heading down there needing a win. Uh, Mm. Before we look back on the Sheffield United game, just your thoughts on that, that Newcastle are safe and it is a game that they can go into and hopefully just enjoy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm very, very thankful that it's not a winner-takes-all game at Fulham because uh, that would have been uh, nervous in the extreme with uh, us away from home and Fulham having a crowd in, etc., etc. I just felt uh, disappointed with Sheffield United. Yes, we won 1-0, but so so we should... uh, most teams beat Sheffield United this sad season for them. Uh, and I just feel after the breath of fresh air we showed against Leicester and in defeat against Man City, who are the champions, that we reverted a little to nature against Sheffield United. And yet, I always feared that would be the case, you know, because um, strange though it sounds, I think Newcastle are much better side, much more comfortable when they play against a good team who comes onto them and is willing to attack them and we can look for turnovers and counter-attack at pace as we can with Adam Mearan and St. Maximum and Willick Uh, and that suits us better if we have the courage to do it and we've discovered that courage recently when we are playing a, a a side not of not so much quality where we have to to a certain extent dictate the pace of the game etc etc we're not at our best and we come labored why because we haven't got good playmakers it's okay having quickness on the counter attack um through players of pace but we haven't outside of san maximum we haven't uh, players of intelligence and of vision who can open up the opposition and therefore our our game becomes laboured and uh, it did against Sheffield United and I hinted that was going to be the problem in the piece in the Chronicle and of course exactly the same problem will exist against Fulham who are a Sheffield United type team already doomed and playing a certain way and uh, there will be much more onus on us to set the pace and structure of the game than there was on us when we played Leicester and Man City. Do you think that the the team, Newcastle, will, were a bit caught out by having the fans back? I know we've wanted it for so long, but it wouldn't have been an easy transition into playing in front of no one and then suddenly playing in, in front of 10,000 passionate fans because right at the start of the game against Sheffield United, they looked a bit... Don't know what the right term of phrase is, but I mean, McGoldrick should have scored. You know, that was a top quality striker. That was one 0 at Sheffield United, and he flashed oh. it wide. And I was yes. just wondering. To me, right at the start, they looked a bit shell shocked. I think with just having fans back, and and perfectly acceptable as well, though. Well, uh, to be quite frank, they shouldn't be with a Premier League club of ten thousand fans fighting them to death, because you know they, they normally play in front of fifty-two thousand. Are we going to play? Uh, in front of nobody by preference so that if anybody wants to have a go at Joe Linton or the manager, it can't happen because there's nobody in the crowd. 
crowds ought to lift players, and that crowd that, that was at Sheffield United wanted Newcastle to play well, wanted them to be successful, look up behind the team. They didn't go there to demonstrate from the start of the match. They went in to support Newcastle United, and I think that would lift Willett, that would lift San Maximum. And if it frightened players, then they shouldn't be at St. James's Park because we are a 52,000 crowd uh, club. And goodness gracious me, if if that makes you you nervous, then get the hell out of here because you're not a Newcastle United player. It's as simple as that for me. Let's talk about some of the action on the pitch. Obviously, Joe Willick gets the goal. He's not really helping Newcastle's case in getting a, a good deal there because it's going <laughs> to... Um, well, I mean, yeah. getting him in any case will be a good deal. But, I mean, in terms of the uh, the price, it's not going to be cheap the way he's scoring. Um. And then we had, I thought Miggy had a decent game, full of running, Alan St. Maxman as well, until he went off. And then, that's the issue though. When Alan St. Maxman went off, things got a little bit flat, and yep. you wonder, you know, it, it, it's a bit of a warning sign, I think, to next season, where, you know, the hierarchy need to look at this. And regardless of where the takeover stands, if I'm Lee Charlie, Mike Ashley, I'm looking at this and thinking, well, if you if you remove St. Maximum, you remove Callum Wilson, then what have you got? And this all ties yeah. in, into as well as what Steve Bruce has been saying, that, you know, once I get my best players back, we're going to be fine. But as we said last week, John, you can't, you can't have that as a guarantee. Not. Of course not. I mean, there is a huge concern, and the huge concern from a Newcastle fan's point of view is that if Mike Ashley adopts his usual stance, but even more so because he wants out then he will want to spend as little of his own cash uh, as possible this summer in the hope that the um, the takeover happens and it's not his responsibility. Yet, if we do not spend this summer, if we go around signing Bosmans, as Steve Bruce calls them, free transfer guys, then we are going to be in exactly the same trouble next season. And we don't know how long it'll take for this takeover to go through, if it goes through at all. And there are major problems. We need an out-and-out striker who knows where the net is for a start, because we've only got Wilson, and he has sadly proved that he can be injury-prone. Carroll will have gone. Gale doesn't score enough goals at this level. We don't want Muto back, uh, so we haven't got a striker. But equally, even if we had another quality striker, Joe Linton doesn't score en- enough goals either. Um, forgot to mention him. Uh, surprise, surprise. But um, if we get a quality striker to stand up there with Wilson, unless they get the right service, they are reduced. We talked about what happened to Super Mac and Tudor in the 74 Cup final. You can have a, a, anybody up there, but if you can't get the ball to them at the right time and in the right space, things don't happen. And we need, desperately need, a quality, quality playmaker instead of just relying on the on the surging runs of San Maximum, as wonderful as they are, and the runs of Almiran. But his runs are relentless and based purely on having amazing leg power. They are. It's not about a crafty uh, brain. He doesn't open up play with a, a, an amazing ball like San Maximum did uh, to Murphy on Willock's goal. 
So what we really need are the most expensive players in any team, which is a goal-scoring striker and a top-quality playmaker. Now, they cost a lot of money, and yet if we listen to Steve Bruce talking, and this isn't his fault, this is the hand he's been dealt with, we're looking for Bosmans. Now, how many free, uh, free transfer players are we going to get of the quality needed for those two positions alone? And that's before we look at the rest of the team. But this team is crying out for a good, good, good second striker and for somebody that can open up uh, from the middle of the park. Not the Willock type of player, that a, is a, a separate issue and somebody you do need and pray God we get him. A box-to-box player and somebody that can arrive and finish. I mean, his, his figures are staggering. I mean, he is the second striker that, that we need and yet he's a midfield player. I mean, six and six and seven overall, it's even a better goals per game average than Wilson himself. Uh, and this guy supposedly playing from midfield. And he finishes inside the box regularly. It's not a matter of him hitting Bobby Charlton like 30 yarders that scream into the top corner. He finishes like a striker from inside the box, just popping up with a late run. And... Where, if you took his goals out of the current situation, Newcastle wouldn't even be safe. Um, he is very, very important to the team. If we lose him, um, and if Wilson's not fit regularly, and uh, heaven forbid, San Maximum has injury problems because he invites close marking and close tackling and gets injured and hobbles off quite a lot, then we're in massive trouble. And what worries me is, will Ashley be aware of it and will he be willing to uh, uh, allow quality signings at a few quid to take place or will he be sort of saying privately, let's keep this Scrooge-like and, and don't spend much money because halfway through next season or even before then, I'll be out of here. And if we waste this summer, we're in deep trouble again and we face another nine months like the nine months we've just had and like the nine months we had last season. Let's talk about um, Paul Heckenbottom. He wasn't happy with the referee's performance um, in his press conference. How, how, many, yeah. how many losing managers are? <laughs> well, I know when I, when I read his comments and then I, I, I watched the press conference... Um, I thought it was a bit harsh, but then when I watched match of the day, uh, yeah. the the poor referee did seem a little bit flat-footed. He kept having to um, get out of the way quite often. He just about managed it. He didn't have the kind of the style of one Mike Dean, shall we say? But um, mm-hmm. uh, then we get onto what Steve Bruce said. Um, I'll just read some quotes from him after the game. Um, he was uh, asked about fans returning, obviously ten thousand fans inside the ground and he said the supporters were terrific when you think there were only 10,000 here the difference is amazing we could have put it to bed a bit earlier some of our play in the first half was very decent we uh, all aspire to take Newcastle in the top half of the table we have to be actively better than just surviving we've got the makings of a half decent team they have missed out a little bit of a quote which he said that um Towards the end of the game, the fans maybe made Newcastle a little bit edgy. And at that point, I put my head in my hands and just kind of screamed at the television because, you know, 
I think we've alluded to it already, John. When you're playing a team like Sheffield United, who are bottom of the league, who have been god-awful, you yeah. know, and you're only one nil up against them, and you don't look like getting a second because yeah. St. Maximum's gone off and you, you're not, your players aren't rising to the occasion of fans back in, you know, yeah, you know, they're going to they're gonna be a bit disappointed. But I didn't, I didn't get the sense. I mean, I wasn't there. I was reporting yeah. back here in the house, watching it on TV. Um, but I didn't get the sense that, you know, that the fans were, were creating an atmosphere that was making making them a bit edgy. Did you? Not at all. I mean, you know, we've got to remember, we were playing a Sheffield United side that's got the worst stats uh, of any side anywhere near the Premier League. The, the earliest relegated, uh, the fewest number of goals. With one game to go, they've got 19 goals and 20 is the lowest there's ever been. In the in the Premier League, they they have lost every game away from home or not won apart from the Everton thing. The whole of their stats are absolutely horrible, and yet to a great extent, for long periods of the second half, they outplayed us. It it is worrying because whenever we come against sides who where the onus is on us, not on them. We struggle. Uh, we are best playing Everton and West Ham, who would do the double over both, and playing Leicester on the counter and even Man City on the counter. When we play West Brom away and won't get a draw, when we play Fulham up here and they have 10 men for 25 minutes and won't get a draw, when we play Brighton and we lose home and away, when we play teams where there is a, a great onus on us, we haven't got the nous. We aren't streetwise enough. We're not clever enough. Yes, we may be determined. Yes, we may want to make a, a fist of it. But the bottom line is we are from Puff. And we have got to do better than that. And don't talk to me, uh, Steve Bruce, about the, you know, the players being nervous because there's a crowd. In. There was 10,000 in. What are they going to do next season when there's 50,000 in? Is is the excuse all this season is we haven't had our 12th man in the crowd? That has been the excuse. Now, the, the excuse is, well, the players are getting a bit nervy and are a bit worried because there is a crowd in. You can't have it both ways. Newcastle will have 50,000 next season, God willing, that, that the pandemic lets us and fans aren't frustrated enough to stay away in the thousands. And if that's the case, you play well and they will lift you to the rafters. You don't do the job and fail to do the job, be you a coach or a player, and they will let you know. Excuse me, that's their priority. That's their privilege. They've been a fan from from cradle to, uh, to grave. And other people, be the, the owners or managers or players, come and go. The fans stay consistent. So they better get used to this because it's going to be more so next season. But let's look at it on the plus side. You get it right, and this is the best place to play in the country if you get it right. If you get it wrong, they will let you know. And by the way, why shouldn't they? Oh, totally entitled to, aren't they? They pay their money. And like you yes, say, you're a professional absolutely. footballer. You've got to, you, know, you should have the big enough shoulders to, to deal with it. Um, and but bottom line, Andrew, there's nobody, be it owner, manager, coaching staff or players, that love the club more than those people that are standing on the terraces. 
So they, they care more than anybody else. And I mean that in a nice way because the players are passing through. They've got the career to think of. Nine-tenths of them on bone up here. So, you know, they're having that allegiance like the fans have. Um, it's the way of the world. But, I mean, you know, we've been waiting for fans to come back. And I thought it was fabulous uh, to, to have uh, the fans back and to have the natural sounds and, and ebb and flow of the game instead of, you know, what we've been having on the television is like when the comedy shows are on telly but, and the put oh, I was going to ask in the last episode, but I, I, I didn't get around to it. Are you a man or were you a man for the uh, the sound that wasn't quite real or were you watching it in the silence? Well, I, I did both. And in the end, I had to get away, even though I knew it was canned and it was irritating. I had to have some sort of, of background sound. You yeah, see, you see, I'm totally different. I I loved hearing Matt Ritchie shouting at himself or Steve Bruce repeating Joe Linton about twelve thousand times in a match. Yeah, I I loved to hear what they were what they were saying. And um, I guess for some though, it's it's a, the novelty's kind of worn off. But you are right, John. It's great to have it back. That authentic yeah, I mean, sound. The, fun, the funny thing with me, Andrew, was when we were watching Newcastle in the bad old times, which is only about three matches away <laughs> ago, um, when we were watching the men, I was so depressed when it was in silence, I thought it was a flipping mug. And, you know, uh, I mean, small things, you know, was wonderful to have a crowd back. You know, you talk about the referee earlier. The referee making a, a contentious decision and you hearing fans boom, home fans boom, because he's giving a free kick to the away team. You, you hear the chants, you hear... I mean, that is wonderful. That is what football is all about. And the reason there's a game of football is because it's a, it's not just a business, it's an entertainment, and people go to see it and go in their thousands. And I mean, you know, from the FA Cup final, which was the start of really hearing and seeing fans around, I mean, I enjoyed the FA Cup final, not because just because it was a fairy tale win for Leicester, but because there, there, was, there was crowd involvement. It was wonderful, and I looked forward to... I would not have looked forward to last night's match with, with no one there at all. Newcastle v Sheffield United. I mean, the easy beats and the dead beats. There, there, there was nothing in it for to, to make you want and look forward to it. The reason we looked forward to it was because fans were back in the side St. James's Park. It saved a, 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 a fixture which had nothing going for it and elevated it to one of genuine interest. And, um, you know, I'm all happier for that. I thought that the major plus last night was the crowd. There's absolutely no question at all. It wasn't the result, because to a certain extent it didn't matter. It certainly wasn't the performance, because the performance was very lukewarm. It was the fact that there was a crowd in there and that they cared and got passionate about it and we realised after an awful long time what we've been missing. We knew what we're missing, but we didn't realise it again until you suddenly experience it again. And what we experienced was nothing like the real thing, because the real thing's 50,000. And, and, and yes, 2,000 of the um, away team uh, willing to give it a bit of uh, balance. It is always good, I feel, 
uh, when you have a, a crowd that has both supporting both clubs, not just one club, because of the banter that goes on, the feed off each other, it's terrific. So you know, bring on next season once we get uh, Fulham sorted out. Definitely, and just a big shout as well to the uh, the couple of gentlemen who have gone viral on social media after trying to head the ball as it went into the Gallagher. And uh, they fell down three or four rows of uh, seats. So, you know, that was a nice moment. That's uh, that's definitely cheered up Newcastle United fans when they've been watching that video. So shout out to them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, all, 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 all good stuff. And, um, you know, I get a bit, uh, you know, a bit raising the eyebrow when I hear that the crowd back in might have made Newcastle nervous or Steve Bruce thinking they made him nervous in the last 10 minutes or or something. These are Premier League players, for goodness sake. If if 10,000 people make you nervous, well, go and play in uh, League 2, where they don't manage to get as many as 10,000. Don't play for us. Or, just go and beat Sheffield United convincingly. Sheffield United bottom oh. of the Premier League. One of the worst Absolutely. sides we've seen in recent Absolutely. memory. You know, don't don't be losing, don't be winning just 1-0 with 10 minutes to go. And, and with a Outside, well, more than an outside chance of, of throwing the, the lead away because, as, as you've mentioned, John, you know, there was large parts of that second half when Newcastle were camped oh, yes. in their own box and were having to head everything away. I mean, you know, it, it, it's your worst nightmare coming back. You're, you're watching this and you're, you've got to remind yourself this isn't playing the Liverpool who were champions and this is not playing Man City. This is playing the worst side in the Premier League and that's official. Uh, and we're looking distinctly second best. If you hang on like that at the end against Man City or against Liverpool in that Champions season or some of that nature, and you win one nil, you come away feeling good because you, you've you've done the job and you've shown the defiance and the courage and the guts. This wasn't like that, and we're going to get the same type of game at Fulham. There's absolutely no question about that. Um, so, I mean, I'm not expecting a classic down there because it is almost a replica of Sheffield United v Newcastle all over again. Well, just before we get on to Fulham, one final question about the game against Sheffield United. And it was the lap of honour at the end for those who were at the grounds. Um, I mean, Lee Ryder mentioned this on the, the immediate post-match podcast it seemed like Steve Bruce was a bit reluctant to go out um, on the lap of honour and he was then persuaded to and you know throughout the game the reaction to Bruce wasn't you know overly welcome there was a few um, chants which were, were you know out of order I'm all if, if you want to criticise Steve Bruce for the, the football and stuff then fair enough but some of the chants were personal I don't think that's that's you know, that's not on at all Um and then when he was walking around the pitch, there are videos from the Gallagher of him, you know, being booed and, and, and loudly booed. And i just wondering what you think of that because it's difficult, isn't it? Because we've mentioned again in previous episodes, John, it just, for me, sends alarm bells ringing. You know, mm. yes, he deserves praise for turning it around after Brighton. Yes, he deserves praise for leading Newcastle United to safety. But if this is the reaction of... Of, of a small minority out of 10,000, what's the reaction going to be like Absolutely. when it's 52,000? And if they end up going on a bad run right at the start of the season, I just think we, this is not a summer in which 
you want to, to waste by then sacking or your manager walking away in October or November? I mean, you're absolutely right. And um, as far as Newcastle United's concerned, Andrew, can we, uh, can we start calling what happens at the end of the season a walk of appreciation by the players for the fans? Because it, the last time we had a lap of honour, I can't remember. We must have been in a cup final or something. It's hardly a lap of honour. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, remember that lap, Sir Boy Robson's last yes. lap of honour, and people didn't even bother staying, and we'd finished fifth in the league. Yes. What would give for that now? Oh, oh, absolutely. It's hardly a lap of honour uh, in the Mike Ashley years. It, it, I prefer to think it's the players doing the decent thing and applauding the fans for being with them for the whole of the season and having to watch some of the stuff they've t- they've churned out. Um, yes, we we know what happened uh, with Steve Bruce at the end of the Sheffield United thing. I think he would be rather reluctant um, to go on the, the, the so-called appreciation walk because um, he would feel deep down inside that, that Newcastle hadn't produced enough in the season for them to take any sort of applause from the fans and therefore he would be reluctant to go on it. I understand that. But the, the hard truth of the matter, and we said this after Newcastle lost at Brighton, and everybody thought Steve Bruce's time was up. And one of the reasons, and I said so at the time, I don't know the way back for for Steve Bruce from that situation. And it still applies. The way back was the fact that we could continue to play with no crowding and try to get it right on Monday to Friday tactically on the training ground and execute it on the weekend uh, because there wasn't going to be a backlash reaction because there wasn't a crowding. Um, and I believe the 10,000 that went along to the Sheffield United game in the main went along with light hearts wanting to enjoy a match being delighted to be back in the stadium and wanting to cheer Newcastle United. And in the main, did that. The sight of Steve Bruce, especially after a a performance that reverted to nature to a great extent, was always going to be tempting for few fans because we know this season might have ended and we might be saved by a a reasonable number of points, etc., etc. But we know that nine-tenths of this season has been dire. We know that we bought badly last summer Wilson apart. We know there's not going to be a lot of money to change things uh, this summer in the transfer market by getting a top-notch striker and a top-notch playmaker. And we know that, barring a miracle, we will kick off next season with Mike Ashley owning the club and Steve Bruce as the coach. So fans are thinking it's going to be more of the same. And you're right. The terrible thought is we will kick off next season with the crowd already poised to show their anger if, Things are as bad as they have been for nine-tenths of this season. They will be ready to voice their opinion, and there'll be 50,000 of them there. So the the volatile members of the crowd will be in St. James's Park. A lot of them weren't in the 10,000. And this is something that Steve Bruce and Mike Ashley have got to face and do something about do something about by reconstructing the whole squad to give us a lot more hope um, of achievement instead of fighting for our lives. And if we get off to a good start, 
the fans will stay with the team because they want to be with the team. But we know what the possibility is and we know what is almost inevitable. And it's no good trying to sugarcoat the pill. That's the way it will be unless drastic action is taken. And do you expect drastic action to be taken this summer? Because I don't. No, not at all. I think you actually wrote this a few weeks ago about Newcastle needing an answer on Joe Willick as soon as possible. And since then, he's gone in to score four or five more goals. And I, I tweeted out something similar last night right after the game. And the reaction was... Yeah, but we all know what's going to happen. I said, you know, they can't be waiting until the end of the window, similar yeah. to what you wrote. Yeah, I saw, I saw, and they said, I saw the piece, and, Andrew, yeah, and you, you, you were absolutely right. But we know that if we get Joe Willick at all, either permanently or on another season's loan, it will happen at the end of the window. And so we'll have gone all summer not knowing if we've got his type of midfield player or not. And perhaps that colours what we do in the transfer market elsewhere, we know that Arteta will wait and probably try to see Willick pre-season playing some of Arsenal's friendlies before he makes a decision. Every You're right as well. Every goal Joe Willick scores now makes it more likely either A, Arsenal will keep him, or B, a club in a better position than us, i.e. in the top 10 or maybe the top 7, will pay the money to take him permanently instead of us down at the wrong end of the table. So while we have benefited enormously in this part of the the season, it's going to come at a cost in the summer and the cost is either going to be a higher transfer fee, somebody else nicking him or Arsenal keeping him. It's becoming harder by the day. Mm. And, you know, the hierarchy have got more examples than they have not of gambling and wait until that final moment and sure. to wait until the end of the window for, for sure. Joe Willick who has formed an integral part of the side is just a gamble that Newcastle United should not be taken because if they get to the end of the window they haven't signed Joe Willick they're only going to have to then spend more money on someone in the same position who probably isn't as good but the premium will go up because the team the selling teams will know Newcastle needs someone of that ilk sure. Um, and then, or not get you one at all. Then we won't pay it. I mean, what we'll end yeah. up with, we might buy one guy for money, but what we'll end up is signing free transfer men like we signed Hendrick or signing players on loan, on a season's loan or a six-month's loan. That will be most of the work that's done in the summer. And loan deals in the summer aren't done at the beginning of the summer, Andrew. They're done at, at the end, aren't they? They're done in pre-season training, most of the loan deals. Uh, and that Newcastle have so much work to do this summer and they need to start immediately after Sunday. There's absolutely no question about that. But we'll be told that nothing can happen immediately because the Euros are on and then... Uh, players and other managers want to keep their options open to see if a better deal comes along than the one we're offering. And we'll end up mixing and matching on free transfers and on loan deals. And, um, you know, that's not going to be good enough. And if it's not good enough, we're going to end with a season like we've just had. And if you remember, a year ago... We were getting told by Steve Bruce after he'd been here a year that we were aiming for the top 10 and we had done terrific. 
in the transfer market to get Wilson and Fraser and Lewis and Hendrick. Well, either Fraser, Lewis and Hendrick haven't got anywhere near the team uh, in recent times when there's been a mini uh, upsurge and Wilson is injured. So we didn't do well last summer. Uh, I mean, Lewis and uh, Hendrick, you've seen more of Lord Luton and Shergard than them, and and it just hasn't happened. Fraser, well, I mean, I'm just dispirited. You know, uh, uh, the last time he played, it was for Scotland, and the next time he plays is going to be for Scotland. In the meantime, we've played a load of matches in which he was unfit, and I'm not saying that he wasn't unfit. Yes, he was, but... That is the way his career comes in. He seems to get his kicks now out of some, out, out of Scotland, not out of Newcastle. He owes us a big season next season. It's true what Steve Bruce said, that he does need a good, good pre-season. There's absolutely no question about that. But he owes this club. There's no question about that either. And I'll be looked because there is some ability there. Uh, if in the right attitude and a good pre-season and wanting to to knock down walls, there's a chance. But he hasn't scored a Premier League goal for us. He's hardly been available for us. His body language has left a lot to be desired. But he last played for Scotland and give out quotes about how you can run through a brick wall for a manager you love when, when he's talking about Steve Clark. And now he's about to play for Steve Clark again. In the meantime, we haven't seen hiding the head. Uh, things have got to change and what makes me apprehensive and I don't want to be depressing at this stage because normally this summer is when Geordie's flood with optimism about who will sign and how much better will it be next season but I think we all know that if there's not a major, major, major change in attitude and direction that we're just in for more of the same and with Ashley there um, with his indifference, do you see any major change either in the, the coaching setup or the player setup? And I don't. It'll be a wonderful bonus if it happens, but I won't be expecting it. Thank you for tuning in to the Everything is Black and White podcast. We'll get back to the show in just a moment. We just urge you guys to please subscribe to the podcast through whichever platform you use totally free to do just means every time we upload a new episode to our channel you'll get a notification saying we've done just that and you can listen to it straight away and if you get the chance to leave us a review as well that would be much appreciated that really does help us out you can also follow chronicle lives newcast united channels over on social media we're at chronicle nufc on twitter facebook and instagram and you can email us here at the show with your feedback, your comments, your questions, whatever. Just drop us a line at the EIBW podcast at reachplc.com. And you can also stay up to date with everything to do with the club by subscribing to our daily Newcastle United newsletter. That's also free. And you'll get a morning news roundup, an evening news roundup, and a breaking news alert as well. And that'll get emailed directly to your inbox. The link for that is in the show notes. Hit that, scroll down to sport Newcastle United tick the box and you'll all be signed up once again thank you for listening and we'll now get back to the show so on to Sunday then John the final game of the season and we'll start with potential injuries because we saw against Sheffield United that Alan St. Maxim went off Joe Linson went off uh, we had Dwight Gale go down towards and we had Dubravka looking in a lot of pain and it that is the one that really just I was confused by because he goes down 
And this is just days after Steve Bruce telling everybody there'll be no sentiment showing Andy Carroll, we, you know, yes. and, and he probably won't get a, yes. a run out. Um, what is probably going to be his final game for Newcastle United, final home game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dubravka goes down. You can see he's in pain. Uh, he then stays on. It's only five minutes, but that looked like a hamstring. He kicks the ball, and you can see he's grimacing. He kicks it again, sure. pulls another face, and then he dives, and he sure. again, he's in he's in a bit of pain. I just hope, for the sake of getting Andy Cal on the pitch for six minutes, we haven't done a bit of damage to Martin Dubravka. And, and certainly from Dubravka's point of view, because it's not, from his point of view, it's not just a matter of does he play at Fulham, because you, you could say that's a, a meaningless match, but of course he's got the Euros to think of. Yeah. And, you know, to see his left eye strapped up like that, uh, bearing in mind that we're now on to Thursday and the game is Sunday, you think, do you risk him? And, of course, it's heightened even more, if you like, because um, Darlow is not available, having had an operation, so you would go with Gillespie, who is the fifth signing last summer, that we didn't include because he was always going to bought to be the third choice goalkeeper, but he could make his Premier League debut for Newcastle if Dubravka doesn't make it. That was a very worrying injury. The Saint, as often as not, can go up because he gets a good kicking and um, uh, he almost invites it because of the style he plays. Uh, if he's missing on Sunday, I'm going to say he was the only excitement we had in the team. Willock is the, the great finisher, the, the exciting man on the balls, the saint. And if he's not there, then it's going to be very pedantic. Willock, I think, will probably make it because I think it was, yes, it was a worry, but it, I think it's cramped more than anything. Uh, Joe Linton, quite frankly, I'm not worried about whether he plays or he doesn't play because I'm not certain what he brings to the table. Um, I can imagine your reaction when he, he headed the ball over towards the end oh, of the first half. Oh. Um, I can imagine you maybe throwing a couple of things at the TV, or is it one that you expected him to head into the Gallagher? Well, I mean, you know, it, it, it's this is a, a, a guy who was bought as a centre-forward and as a finisher to score our goals. And, I mean, it was more difficult to head it as high as he did than it was to get it on target. Uh, I mean... Joe's a nice kid and all that, but, you know, that's not what it's about. It's about ruthless finishing. And he's got about, he's got six Premier League goals. They work out about one every 11 plus games, which for a striker is a horrendous um, average and Mm. it doesn't look as if it's going to be improved. I mean, I was looking for him to put his laces through the ball regularly. I haven't seen the way he took a penalty against Man City and, we really didn't see that. I mean, um, that is just one of those positions that it doesn't really matter what happens at Fulham. But you would like San Maximum to play because you you would like to finish positively, and it needs San Maximum to play. You would like Dubrovka to play if you weren't taking a risk because you haven't got Darlow. But if Gillespie's got to make his Premier League debut, so be it. That's he was bought to be the the third cover, so if he's got to be called on, he's got to be called on. You would love Willock to play for again, because just to see if he can score yet another goal on this absolutely sensational run, and because he... with Wilson out, he's the only goal threat that we have. And 
God forbid, but it could be his last game for us if um, mm. if he goes back to Arsenal. Uh, and I think he's probably got the most um, chance of playing because I think in the main he was suffering from um, cramp and when you make those late runs into the box as often as he does, you're going to get you're going to get cramp in a game or run the risk of it. Um, but yes, it's a funny old game. Uh, I mean, I look at the game and you look at Fulham and it's like looking at Sheffield United. You can, I mean, Sheffield United had beaten us 1-0 down there with a really sharp penalty, which was a, a, a nonsense of a performance from us. And if you go back to December at Christmas time, Fulham got a 1-1 up here having, and looked a better team, having played 25 minutes with 10 men after Anderson was sent off, giving away the penalty which brought our equaliser through Wilson. So they got a 1-1 up here, and deservedly so, um, with uh, 10 men for almost half an hour. And they got a 1-1 the last time they were out, which was at Manchester United the other day. But let's not get conned by those two results either. The the situation is that draw at Old Trafford was uh, one of only two draws they've had in the last nine games, and they've lost the other seven. They've lost seven out of the last nine, which is the reason why they're going down, of course. And they are exactly like Sheffield United. Uh, they can't score goals. The reason they're going down is they don't score enough goals. Sheffield United didn't. Fulham didn't. And they're not going to start to score goals now. Um, so, you know, they infinitely beatable. Uh, we should go down there and win. Um, Shaw's back, which um, he, he might be given a game. I'm certain he'll be given an involvement because of the Euros coming up, whether he starts at the back or, or goes on this sub, but I'm certain he'll play. He served his suspension uh, now. Um, but it, it's an intriguing game with not too much running on it, but I've got an uneasy feeling about it as I had with Sheffield United that it will not be a performance and it will be a, a bit of a struggle. With Joe Willick's scores, as you mentioned there, that he would equal Alan Shearer's record of seven consecutive goals, uh, which was done in 96 or 97. Mm. Um, Guy Linick, I mentioned it on Match of the Day last night. Um, he's also actually, Joe Willick, said he, he is going to consider a move to Newcastle, but I don't think that means your decision's imminent, but he, you know, there were quotes last night doing the rounds of his response um, about his future. Mm. You mentioned Fulham, they've got some decent enough players, some players that I actually think could do a good enough job in this Newcastle squad. You've got the likes of Anguissa um, and a few others. I mean, I know Luckman's on loan, but he's proved why Newcastle wanted him a couple of Januarys ago. He's going to go back to Leipzig, but that might be one for the summer as well. He's a different sort of striker mm. to to Callum Wilson. So they have got din- dangerous individuals. It's just it just it hasn't clicked for them, or it's clicked, and then the 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 coming together hasn't lasted as long um, as you know Scott Parker would have wanted. Thankfully for Newcastle, um, one thing though, John, that does stand out, and I guess it's not been lost on any Newcastle United supporters, was the last time. This fixture was played. It was Rafa Benitez's last game for Newcastle United. They absolutely thumped Fulham. It was a brilliant performance. You know, Ron Donning with the goals. And there was a real sense of um, hope of what was to come, even though I think we all knew underneath that things weren't good and Rafa Benitez was, 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 was 
probably going to walk away. It hadn't been confirmed at that stage, mm. but that was a great afternoon down at Craven Cottage in the sunlight. Um, I know the fans got on the on the on the uh, the boat tours, didn't they, down the Thames, and it was a, a yeah, great afternoon. Yeah. You contrast that to the feeling around the current manager here today at Newcastle and the the way they, they you know they're playing. You, you're still trying to. To maybe sense an identity of Steve Bruce's Newcastle United. We've seen glimpses of maybe what he's trying to achieve, but it's not there fully formed. And I just think the contrast to that game a few seasons ago to this one is is huge. It, it is, unfortunately. Um, I mean, there's no way once this game's uh, over that I would want uh, Newcastle United to try to sell to the punters that it's job done and... Um, it's been successful. We've stayed up. There is great signs of improvement. Uh, we'll improve the squad in the summer. Uh, we're already getting told we've got a half-decent side. Well, if that's the case, uh, what I want to know is what's happening with the other half. And I also want to know why it's taken until now for us to take the um, the break-off. Because this side is much better when it, when it is allowed to swarm forward over the halfway line, as it has done in recent games, instead of being so timid and anxious and locking the door at the back. We have got to improve. And I don't, you know, free transfers and, and people on loan and signing players from relegated sides, as we did last year with Fraser and Wilson. I mean, Wilson proved to be an exception, but can we please raise our standards and our line of vision above trying to cherry-pick half-decent players from relegated sides because they might be a bit cheaper for whatever reason or a bit grateful to come to Newcastle? Can we? That is not going to lift our standards for the coming season too high. Um, and I would like this. I guess I'm irritated because I was brought up with the, the, the Bobby Robson's I brought up in recent years not originally with the Bobby Robson signings and, and the, the side that was built by Kevin Keegan when we were on the verge of going into the old third division and ended up you know second top of the Premier League you're not expecting that undoubtedly you know it's not going to happen but let's improve significantly season by season. This season has been no improvement on last season. We stood still. Uh, and we will stand still again unless we get our finger out and show some ambition. Um, and, you know, let's not go into it here. It's not that... But our recruitment policy and our scouting of players leaves a lot to be desired when you think of what some of the signings have been recently. And, you know, uh, Ashley could talk about not getting value for money. Ashley himself, when you when you look at uh, his club record by, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, there's an awful lot of work to be done. Let's get Fulham out of the way. Let's get the season over. Let's be realistic when we look at the season and not try to con anybody that uh, what we're seeing is slow progress. And let's do something about this and get this good. Let's head off any problems there might be of having 50,000 in the crowd next season by giving them something to cheer. If you give that 50,000 something to cheer, they will love you to death. 
they they're not wanting Newcastle to be rubbish season after season after season after season. They're desperate for them to be successful. Give them some hope, and they're with you. Abandon them, and they will let you know. And they're coming back next season, so concentrate on that, Mr. Ashley, uh, and get the job done this summer, Mr. Bruce. Indeed. We'll finish, John, with your score prediction then for this Sunday. <laughs> There's a good one. It depends to a great extent, I guess, on what team Newcastle end up with. And in, in the hope that, you know, Dubravka plays and Maximum plays and Willock plays. Uh, because, you know, without one of them or, heaven forbid, all three of them, the, the forecast on the match would be so different. So we'll only really know an hour before the game when we see the team. But I've got an uneasy feeling without there not being much at stake for Newcastle. They have a few of the fans back in. It'll be desperate to sort of play in front of the fans to give them some sort of hope of a decent championship season. I've got an awful feeling that we might end up with a 1-1 and when, in truth, Newcastle ought to win. Newcastle ought to win, but I've got an awful feeling we might get um, an indifferent 1-1 in the same way as we got a a, a 1-0 victory over Sheffield, which you know, which was not convincing. But um, Newcastle ought to win if they've got everybody out bar Wilson. But I've got an awful feeling in my water that it might just be a acceptable one one as far as both teams are concerned. Could be Scott Parker's last game as well. His future's not sorted yet and there seems to be a bit of a rift there between the the top, the ownership and in, in, in Parker. So, you know, that might play into things. But hopefully John Newcastle can get a victory and if not then a point is much um better than it than a defeat, isn't it? Thank you for popping on and uh previewing this game. And gents and ladies listening, if you search Gibbo's Corner on your podcast provider, you can find all episodes of Gibbo's Corner as John and I go back down memory lane through John's career and we talk about the legends of Newcastle United, the friendships John's performed and some uh, brilliant stories which you maybe haven't heard before. And if you have, then you'll share a laugh once again. So that's Gibbo's Corner on your podcast provider. And please remember to like and subscribe to the Everything is Black and White podcast.